No, I do not get special treatment because I've had to call MPF about four times to get my oh final my schedule, God, and I finally times. got scheduled on Friday. Four, four uh, times. Four, four times. No, I had to call. I had to call four times. I had to email six times. Ugh. So I contacted MPF ten times to get my final I'm, out scheduled. I'm playing the world's smallest violin for you here, Jess. <laughs> I'm just saying that's an improvement. Yeah. Thank you for coming back to our regularly scheduled program, and we are here today to talk about a very important topic that affects us all in the military. Well, most of us who actually have a job worth jobbing, we get to talk about what everybody loves to do, PCSing, if you have had a chance to PCS. Now, we actually have a very good, a very known guest of ours. Well, not guest, I mean, she's a co-host. We love her. We, we get to talk to her sometimes when she's not messing up her one and only job. Jess, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? Ah, I'm good. I'm golden. Now, you yourself are PCSing currently as we speak. Yes, I am. I am definitely going through it. Man, going she's through it. She's living in a nice, fancy Air Force Inn's five-star hotel. <laughs> Actually, I'm not in the Air Force Inn's. I am in a Marriott hotel because um, the Air Force Inn's at my current installation could not support my pet. And I was not going to board my pet. So I said, well, I'll pay out of pocket. Whatever Whoa. the government won't reimburse me. Look yep. at you. Big middle finger yeah, to I'm the establishment saying... right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My uh, dogs are family. I don't know if anyone has noticed this by the snoring of my cute little pug. Um, yeah. I was not going to put my dog at a boarding location while I PCS because that's just not fair to her. So we are staying off base. And it's she been is, lovely, actually. She is definitely that lady dog mom post birthdays yep. and everything 100%. like that you know but, you yep. know, she'll, she'll be talking <laughs> with parents she's like oh my god i know my dog she does the same thing like <laughs> <laughs> that is literally me <laughs> uh, but now but by the time everyone hears this episode i will already be at my next duty station however there's, there's going to be some great info in this episode yeah yeah but um, what I think is uh, going to be really beneficial with this episode is because, you know, you've PCSed how many times now, Jess? Um, let's see. One, two, Real PCS three. is not the guard. Uh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> not counting my separation, this is my fourth PCS. Yeah, okay. fourth. So. Yeah. And going back to what year, like your first PCS, which was overseas, right? Like from Texas, you went straight to Mildenhall, right? Yeah. So my first PCS was in January of 2007. So I can sh probably surmise that from 2007 to right now, there's been quite a lot of changes and it's a lot different now. Yes. Yes. It is very different now, but like so, different, it, like good different. It's, yeah. it's a much smoother process now. So what, can you seen over the years, you know, from the different PCSs, uh, you know, just throughout your career, what what has gotten better? What has what have you what have you noticed has changed 
just drastically that you sit they used to be like fuck i hate pcsing because this is always a pain in the ass this is always annoying this makes no fucking sense but things have changed things have gotten better and maybe a few things that you still think need to be worked on um so i mean for us on the air force side like you know we have our virtual out processing checklist that we get through um virtual military personnel flight on the portal um something that i noticed is like half of those organizations you don't even have to like go face to face anymore you can just make a phone call and there your checklist or um the notification of your pcs is going to pop up in their system and as long as they don't need to see you in person they can sign you off virtually and stuff's taken care of like back in the day we used to have to walk around to each and every agency and get signatures and get wet signatures you know because you would have the virtual out processing checklist but you had to have those wet signatures well, now you don't necessarily have to. Um, and the CSSs have a little bit more uh, flexibility when it comes to the checklist. So like, say, if you have a wet signature from an agency and it's like, oh, you know, I I couldn't get this signed off in virtual because I don't have access or whatever. Then your CSS can sign that off for you and you're good to go. Um, they actually started changing a lot of that when I was separating. Um, I do remember the process being pretty easy for actually getting out processed. Um, another thing that the Air Force has that um, I didn't actually need because my report in a later than date changed, uh, it moved to the left uh, significantly, was that you can request accelerated orders now. So like, say if you have, um, say if you, so the Air Force is supposed to give you, per the AFI, um, 120 days from notification for your report no later than date. So let's say you get notified on like the 15th of October, you have 120 days to report. And usually for a CONUS to CONUS PCS, your report no later than date is gonna be the end of that report month, right? And your projected departure date is gonna be the beginning of that month. So if your report no later than date, let's say is, you know, randomly like 31 March or whatever, um, your depart date would be like one March, right? Well, with this accelerated orders initiative, like if you want to get TMO taken care of and get all your household goods moved a little bit sooner than, you know, they would kind of play on their own timeline, then you can request those accelerated orders to set TMO up and at least get that part done. And then they would amend your orders once the official order came through. So that way you can take care of medical, like, especially if you have EFMP concerns, because you usually have to have orders for that. Um, and if I'm wrong, anyone can correct me on that. Um, but stuff that you need orders for, they can get you those accelerated orders so you can start knocking that stuff out a little bit sooner. So you're not having to try to do it all within like that last four weeks that you're at your station. So I think that's something that we've definitely improved on because we did not have accelerated orders back when I was PCSing as a senior and staff sergeant. Felt like you were lucky to have orders by the time you started scheduling shit by then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's not like that anymore accelerated orders except in in certain circumstances like if you're being medically retired or medically separated obviously that's a, a much different process but yeah pcsing it's it doesn't take too long anymore when did this whole accelerated orders thing start i'll be honest i don't know um I don't... I, it might have been a recent thing it has to be yeah i, I, I never I heard of it until you recent. just said yeah. it <laughs> Mm -hmm. And um, I hadn't heard of it either until my assignments counselor emailed me and she was like, hey, if you'd like to request accelerated orders, we need, you know, X, Y and Z documents um, to go ahead and process it. And I think within two weeks I had my orders and I, I mean, I had like straight up orders. They haven't had to been they weren't amended or anything like that. Like I straight up had my orders. But of course, I, I bumped my report no later than date up. So that's probably why. 
I'm gonna chalk that up to I'm a senior NCO. I get special treatment. Blah blah blah. <laughs> no, I do not get special treatment because I've had to call MPF about four times to get my oh final answer, and I finally times. got scheduled on Friday. Four, four oh, times. Four, four times. No, I had to call. I had to call four times. I had to email six times. Ugh. So I contacted MPF ten times to get my final out scheduled. I'm playing the world's smallest violin for you here, Jess. <laughs> I'm just saying that's an improvement. Yeah. So <laughs> when it comes when it comes to all that, where do you still see a fault? See us falling short? Um, just stupid shit like the library and like processes that are automatic. Like I don't know, I. Because, like, your checklist is set up for, like, whatever, wherever you're PCSing, right? Like, Oconus or Conus, right? But there's some stuff that's just, like, generic out-processing. And it's, like, your PCM clearance, right? Like, well, you don't need a PCM clearance to go Conus to Conus. You just have to get your medical clearance to make sure IMR is good. And that you're up-to-date on all your shots and shit, right? So, like, that, yes, you still need that. But you don't necessarily need, like, if you're single, I... I shouldn't have to wait on the EFMP office to clear me. Um, I I think maybe we could set up checklists for folks that we know have dependents. I don't know. I might be asking too much, but shit like the library and, you know, like stuff that's already automatic. Like, I don't see why we still have those things on the checklist, but I mean, what's honestly, always like my process has been smooth. So what's always funny to me is every time the virtual checklist is ordered, it's immediately like seven, 10, 12 fucking suspenses are broken and you're overdue like immediately as soon as it's uploaded. <laughs> yeah. And God forbid you change your PDD or your projected departure date or you change your report no later than date because then everything gets skewed. And it's yeah. like, I know these people have signed me off. They just haven't gone in. Yeah. And and the other thing is too, you have to follow up with those agencies. You know, like I said, with NPF, I had to follow up with them several times. And I'm just yeah. like, it should not be this hard. Like you email me on a Monday requesting yeah. my documents i email you back that same monday with my documents just schedule my final out or tell me that you need more information I, why do i have to hunt you down but it's in bf so yeah and um you know yeah and i remember the that mandatory fun day um video where he's talking about we're gonna make a, a checklist so we make sure that everybody uh you know out processes everything and it's like yep yeah, sounds good i was like okay and uh we're gonna make a list of everything that everybody needs to make sure they go to and get sent okay yeah sounds good checking boxes good he's like yeah most of these agencies they're never gonna they're never gonna know of and have no reason to going to and in the, in the and they're not gonna know where they are he's like well why do we need to do that well we're gonna make sure we put the buildings on their numbers on there but we're gonna make the building numbers on the military bases so damn confusing that building number one is gonna be building next to building yep. 976 and I mean, and I love that guy because he couldn't be more dead on accurate about every single thing, you know, because it's exactly what yeah, it is. Spot on. Like, yeah, you know, that's that is facts, dude. And not, and not only that, I feel like 99% of the time, every time I got one of those checklists, the information that was on it was wrong because you would say they mm -hmm. would they would go, OK, yeah, and they would automatically start making changes on this checklist. It's like, OK, yeah, it's not this building number anymore. It's not that building anymore. This phone number is wrong. And all, I was like, so why don't you go in and change it? Like, why are you why why are you doing this at every time it prints out? Or like I'm going yeah. to or they don't change it or don't make it. In, I just get it. And then I go uh, to that place and I'm like, oh, sorry, no, it's not here anymore. I need to go to the over here. I'm just like, OK, I'm fucking following this 
breadcrumb trail. I'm trying to figure out what, can I just figure out where the hell I need to go? I just need to get the sign. And then, and then I get judgmental people asking me like, so, uh, what's going on? I was like, I said, I'm, I'm not processing, man. I just need you to sign this. He was like, okay, well, did you have an account? I'm like, no. He's like, how do you, how, I'm just supposed to leave you an account. I was like, I don't care what you believe. I didn't have an account, but I need to get you to sign yeah. this so I can leave, dude. He's like, what's your job? I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's your job? I was like, supply. I have nothing to do with you. Sign the damn checklist. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. I don't. In these fucking uptight, all like civilians, like, oh, I've been here for twenty years. I know my job. I don't give a fuck about you or your job, dude. Sign the checklist. <laughs> I don't even know what you do. Just let me go. Yeah, bro, bro. If I leave, I'm not going. I'm gonna be a glimmer in the distance. Like you're not gonna even know I existed. Just fucking let me go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some people guard that signature like it's, you know, a fucking life sentence if you sign off on somebody's processing checklist. Me, I'm the kind of person where people are like, uh, ma'am, I can't find, you know, the first sergeant, like say the first sergeant's out for the day or whatever, and there's nobody around. And I'm just like, well, I know what questions to ask. Do you have this, this and this? No. Do you have this? No. Are you good to go? Yes. Okay. I'll sign your checklist. Like if any, if yell at me, it's fine. Somebody can come yell at me later on. Why did you sign his checklist? Nobody was around, and I took personal responsibility for it. It is what it is. You know, you know it's funny. What we're it's like, to do. The processing checklists are a pretty like a pretty controlled because they want to make sure that everything is done so you leave the base, right? In processing mm-hmm. checklists, I don't think I've ever finished one. <laughs> like legitimately, th- did I ever finish I, one? I've never finished one. I've never turned in a completed think... in-processing checklist to the CSS ever. Now, granted, I only PCS twice, but I what I'm I... saying is I never turned in a finished yeah. one. Because <laughs> they don't give I a shit. I think the only time I turned in a... Yeah, that's true. Well, well our CSS here... Well, at Canon, our CSS does. Um, but I think the only time I ever fully and completely and accurately completed an in-processing checklist was probably when I was in A1C at Milton Paul. And I actually turned it in. No, like I even when I, it. even when I got the cannon, like I didn't complete mine. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. And then I know if sure as shit, I didn't complete the, the Lake and East one because I still got it. I found it when I was going through my shit. And I know, <laughs> and, I, and I'm a hundred percent know I didn't complete the Hill one because right around when I was starting to, when I had already, you know, started to separate they were they were like tracking people down like hey these people never completed their in processing checklist and my name was on it i was like i don't give a damn i'm not completing it i'm getting out in two months you can kiss my ass like yeah like right like i'm here like you have gone this far without me completing it clearly it doesn't matter so (laughs) yeah that is true Yeah, exactly. Because there's some stuff that's on the in-processing checklist that A, doesn't even apply to you, or B, like, you're supposed to meet with, you know, certain people and they just, either they don't exist because the position's not filled, or they just don't have the bandwidth, and it's like, yeah, let me just sign you off real quick, you know? I mean, yeah. there's, it, um, there's... I think it just the, depends on your job. There's the important stuff, like, go to MPF, give the packet, you know, if you're yeah, finance, go to medical, go to TMO, finance, you know, yeah. all that shit and, and go, you know, depending on your job, you go to get your system set up, your account set up. That's fine. But then just like, you know, the outpricing checklist with the library or some stupid bullshit that like, why is this on here? They have that dumb bullshit on in-pricing checklist. It's like, why is this on here? It do, I mean, 
You don't, mm -hmm. you don't even bother with that because by the time you're even close to getting around to doing that, you're already neck, you know, neck deep in your job and you don't give a shit anymore because it's like, why? I don't care. I already have what I need to do my job. Met the shirt, met the yeah. SEM, met the fucking commander. I don't need to do any more of this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It is very true. Yeah. Man. And you can tell the oh, CSS ain't doing their job because they're, they're the ones supposed to keep track of who turns it in and who doesn't. They ain't doing their job. Yeah. They'll figure it out a year later when they get audited. I don't think anybody even do, who does this all <sighs> really gives a shit. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they're more concerned about bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Definitely. So when you were PCSing overseas as a you know single airman by yourself, uh, what was that like? Like, you know, being alone, you know, you're just a kid. That had to be a like kind of a, kind of like a, I would say like a just, scared experience but like oh my god i'm just like i'm i'm flying overseas by myself and i hope i even make it to the right spot on time in the right place and like that to me seems like holy shit as especially as young as you were yeah that's that's exactly how it was so um obviously i got my orders in tech school and at the time i was like i was trying to trade with uh, one of the airmen that was in my class, she got Eglin and I wanted to go back to Florida. I don't know why I went on active duty to try to go back to Florida, but you know, I was 18, I didn't know any better. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. So when the time came, like I, I flew home uh, to be with my family for a couple of weeks and then uh, spend the holidays with them. And then I flew out, I think I flew out on like January 8th or something. So <laughs> I, uh, I will never forget this. I remember calling my sister uh, my middle sister, Vicky, I called her when I had, cause I had flown from Tampa to Chicago and I was in the airport in Chicago. And I remember I was like, you remember how like in airports they had um, like all the pay phones, right. You know, back in the day. And then you would have like the little fucking outlets, right. Where you could like plug in your phone and shit like that. Well, I had one of those old fucking Nextel phones. It was like those um, push to talk phones with a little walkie talkie on it. Yeah. Super, super random. Um, but I remember calling her on my cell phone and I was just crying because like, I was hey, so where you at? <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Basically, basically. Yeah, that was the fucking hype back in 2006. But, uh, yeah, so I remember calling her and I was just crying because I was so scared. Because I hadn't, I mean, I had flown from Florida to California that had been my longest flight and it was like six hours. And, uh, I was like, I'm so scared. Like I've never been on one of these planes and it's going to be small and I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep. And she was like, Jess, it's going to be a huge plane. Like it's like a 747. Like you're going to be fine. You'll get to sleep. She's like, they're going to feed you. She's like, you're going to get over there and everything's going to be fine. And I was like, no, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Like I didn't want to go overseas. Right. And she always gives me crap about this too. We laugh about it now, but she's like, you were so scared to go overseas. And I was like, yeah, I was terrified. Um, so I finally like composed myself and then I get on the plane and I'm like, oh, this is like a three road plane. Like this plane is fucking huge. Right. And I think I had a window seat if I remember right. Um, and I was like, okay, well I can like prop my head up and I can go to sleep. Right. So like I slept for a decent amount of the flight and I remember like just listening to my MP3 player and being like, okay, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Like, you know, whatever. And then I get to London. I got to London Heathrow actually. Yeah, I flew into Heathrow and I got off the plane and I was like, I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. And so like there was there were some people that were kind of like pointing me like 
you know, to go to wherever the the little area was to catch the military bus because they used to have that shuttle bus that went between Nome Hall Lake and Heath and all the airports, right? So they were like, yeah, there's going to be a shuttle bus. Well, I got outside and the bus wasn't there. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I talked to my sponsor. He said it would be here. But I think I landed at like six o'clock in the morning and the bus wasn't going to be there till like eight. So I called my sponsor, who was my supervisor. Um, I called him from some fucking rotary phone sitting in some guard shack at the fucking airport. And I was like, hey, sir, it's Aaron Jennings. Like, I'm here, but I'm at the airport. And I'm not really sure what to do. And he's like, hey, just hang out. The bus will come and get you. Like, you'll be fine. And I was like, all right, cool. So I get on the bus and like we start leaving London and it doesn't hit you that you're in a foreign country until you get out of an airport, right? Because airports are all kind of the same. They all kind of look the same. And so we get out of the airport and I start seeing that we're on the opposite side of the road and it tripped me the fuck out. I was like, oh my God, I'm really in England. Like, this is crazy. And I was like taking pictures on my old fucking camera, like my Kodak camera of like all the cars on the other side of the road. Cause I was like, this is so true. Is it one of those like disposables? Like you're like, yes, actually, was it, was it what? I think it, I think it might've been a disposable camera or it was a digital camera. Because I remember getting myself a digital camera in tech school. So it might have been that one. But yeah, way before we had iPhones and all that fancy shit, right? But it was it was so crazy. I just sat on that bus and I was like, this is wild. And then obviously we got to the base and they got me into my dorm room and everything like that. But yeah, it's 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 way different when you're 18 and like your first duty station is overseas. But it grew me so much as a person. Like, I'm so grateful for that experience, that, that two years that I spent overseas. Because it, it just made me a better person, better human being all the way around. So, now I can only imagine, uh, because, you know, I know getting to my first duty station, even though it was just close to Mexico, um, and because this would be the first time of me being on my own, right? Because um, you don't really count yeah. basic training in, in tech school, because, I mean, everything is still kind of done for you, right? Um, you know, get to Canon, get to my dorm room and everything. To me, what I remember the most is like get everything into your dorm room and you're kind of like you, you already got kind of shown around by your sponsor and everything and you're kind of like done for the day for the evening and then like oh all right we'll pick you up in the morning we'll, we'll meet in the morning and we'll we'll go from there right is you close your door in your dorm room and then you hear that deafening silence just drop on you you're dead alone yeah and it's like the entire world just sank on you like a black hole you know yep so i can only imagine that feeling that you had being completely different side of the world all Mm -hmm. by yourself and i can imagine like you just felt the world drop through your butthole and into the ground (laughs) yeah yeah, I, yeah, that, oh man, that's bringing back a lot of memories. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember getting into my dorm room. It was funny too, because uh, my friend Gabe um, was, it was him and uh, Corey Holmes, senior and Corey Holmes. Yeah, it was those two who uh, picked me up um, from the little bus stop or whatever. I think they dropped us off at the community center, but they picked me up. They took me to my dorm. And, uh, you know, I was all like, oh God, I have to have military bearing and be like super fucking like stiff and all this kind of stuff. And Gabe was like, 
you're on the operational side of the Air Force. Like, you can relax. And I was like, okay. He's like, hey, um, we're going to go to dinner at like five. I'll come grab you and, and we'll go to the DFAC and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. And I think this was at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And yeah, I remember getting my two suitcases because that's all I had. I brought my two suitcases of clothes in. I set them down in my room and I just like sat there on my bed and I was like, oh my God, I'm here, but I can't call my sister because this was 2007, right? So we didn't have yeah. internet everywhere and, you know, you couldn't just call anybody like you had to, you had to go and like pay to use calling cards and shit, right? So it wasn't yeah. as easy to to just call home. Um, so I didn't get to just pick up the phone and call my sister and be like, Hey, I'm here. Right. Um, like I had to wait a couple shoot, days. I message and FaceTime and yeah, stuff, you know, I message. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have all that. Um, so I had to wait a couple of days to call my sister and let her know that I'd gotten there. But, uh, yeah, I just remember sitting in that room and thinking, Holy shit, I'm here. This is, this is it. Like, and it was cold as fuck too. Cause it was January in England. Right. Mm -hmm. It was super cold. But I was like, Holy shit. Oh man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just, it was a weird feeling. It was very yeah. weird, but I mean, you know, I, it, it didn't take too long for me to kind of start to adjust, you know, started yeah. making friends. And, you know, when you're an airman, it's great when you're an airman. Cause you know, you live in the dorms and you make friends and, you know, you get your friend group. And then it's like, you know, when people talk about, Oh, I don't want to leave the military because I want to leave the boys, you know? And it's like, that's a real thing. That's a real thing with PCSing. My friend and I were just talking about it the other night. Like PCS is hurt worse than breakups sometimes. If you had oh, a good crew of people, like, and you definitely. had good friends, it, it hurts, man. Like I'm everybody who was at my going away on Thursday saw me in fucking tears. Cause I was just like, so sad to be leaving everyone because yeah. it's like, I finally got like a good crew of folks here and like we were rocking and rolling and this has just been such a great team and everybody's been so awesome. And now I have to leave. And I'm like, well, that's, what, you that's the way it's always, ago, but that's the way it's always going to be. That's the way, like, that's the way it always is. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. It's like exactly. the Air Force knows. Yeah, and, and the Air Force knows when you're getting too comfortable. The Air Force knows. Yeah. Those first two years are going to, they might suck, you know, but if you have a good crew that comes in afterward, it really makes up for it. And that's what happened with me. Like my first two years at Cannon were fucking trash. And then I started getting better and better people. And it was awesome. So the one of the good things about when I first got the cannon was uh, I actually PCS from somebody from tech from my actual tech school class there with uh, Isaiah. He was in my actual tech school class, so when we both got there and we both went to IPE, um, it was a little bit easier because like you know I already knew him and we were going there as you know friends, and then we continued to build that relationship and whatnot. But um, so yeah, you know that wasn't. It wasn't too hard of a transition, but it was still like that whole fuck. All right. Um, I guess I'm a big boy now. Here I am living on my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? yeah, yeah. I, I remember PCSing to my first base with some folks that I was in tech school with. So that made it a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I was but, there um... for eight years and that he, I think PCS after like Fine-ish, I think. I can't. I don't remember. But uh, yeah. Was that I, when he joined the guard, and he was up in Albuquerque with me? No, no, no. He went to Milden Hall after that, and then he oh. separated. Him and his uh, ex-wife separated, or Palace Chase went to the guard, and that's when they moved to Albuquerque. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so they, so they had both PCS to Milden Hall or Lake and Heath, or one of those. I think it was actually Lake and Heath. Um, first, and then they got out from there, and then went to to the guard over in uh, Albuquerque. And then you went to Lake and Heath right after. Yeah, not too long after. Yeah. 
Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. Cray cray. That's crazy. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, PCSing as a brand new airman is an interesting experience. And you can always tell, too, because, like, you know, obviously I've been in for quite a while now, but, um, like, we'll get new airmen in from tech school, and you can just tell that they're just, like, almost kind of shell-shocked, even though, like, it's, you know, kind of, kind of PCS, but when you're coming to a place like Cannon, it's fucking tiny, unless you grew yeah. up in a tiny town. But, uh, you know, they come in, and they're just kind of like, what's going on? Yeah, what right. do I do with my hands? And I'm just like, I mean, you're fine. Like, yeah. it's fine. Here, this is AMU you're going to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, whenever I PCS to Lake and Heath, you know, still married, had, you know, my kiddos. My daughter was, uh, just, uh, about, uh, she was 11 months. She was going to turn, uh, a year old the, the next month, and my son was, just about to turn five like elijah was just like i think a week or two weeks uh away from turning five so you got two kids one baby not even walking yet and you have giant duffel bags and all kinds of stuff you know because you got to live out of these suitcases and bags and stuff until all your crap gets from point a and New Mexico to point B, England, which takes a while. <laughs> so, I mean, here I am, you know, trying to cohort a bunch of bags on these carts and stuff and got these kids and my ex-wife, we're all we're just trying to make our way through the damn airport and fuck, dude. And here we are getting onto this uh, um, plane and... I mean, Jesus, overnight flight with that, oh, God, it, and it seems like no matter what you do to prepare for that, when you're on the flight itself, you just never have everything you need. And it's always just, no, you oh, don't. Oh, God. And now to be fair, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Um, as in the kids were un uncontrollable. My kids have always been pretty, pretty pretty easy to maintain i guess uh elijah especially he's i was gonna say pretty been, chill yeah i mean elijah especially elijah's chill yeah uh grace is always you know she's the wild one but she's not she's disciplined she's well disciplined i can we can always bring ring her back in you know she doesn't she's by no means it, these crazy ass kids you see nowadays but um when but grace was you know still a baby and so we just propped up an ipad and a bunch of colors and stuff put on the um, you know, all these colorful movies, and she just staring those big old eyes, just staring there, and she fall asleep, whatever. Um, took her out a couple times, of course, you know, and had to change her or whatever, but most of the time she was pretty chill, you know. Of course, she got a little, um, I guess like cabin fever in her in her car seat, you know, because she wanted to get out and move a little bit, but most part she was fine. Um, it's when you land, and now all of us. Over twelve, thirteen hour flight, jet lagged as shit, and trying to navigate an international airport, one of the busiest international airports in the fucking world, London Heathrow, with two kids who are beyond cranky, and we have no idea where we're going, no idea what we need, and so everybody's running. You don't understand why until you get there. And so 
well, everybody's running and we're just trying to get our kids together. And then we're, you know, packing up all this crap around us in our middle seat just to uh, make it to this insane customs area that everybody was running to, which makes sense now, right? Um, yeah, that customs area is a fucking nightmare. Yo, but um, luckily, what I've seen a lot, you know, when you in customs areas, like, you know, wherever you are, they um, they bring the parents with uh, kids up to the front and get us through because uh, they know the kids are, are struggling, especially with us who get over those overnight flights. So they see the kids. Uh, yeah, for sure. Get cranky, screaming, whatever. They'll go ahead and pull us up front. So, you know. I might have pinched Grace's leg a couple times to get her. You know. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Resourceful. But, You're very yeah. resourceful. No, but you know, it's all, it, I did like that they did that. Otherwise, we were probably in that fucking line for like two hours. You know, it was ridiculous. But um, then we're going to try to find our bags, right? And here we are trying to wait for eight bags eight giant heavy ass bags you know because you just don't know what you need to bring and so we're getting all these you know you got all these guys down there say hey we'll carry your bags for however much right you know because they're trying to make some money and uh we only got american cash and so luckily and everybody's all being all fucking um stuck up like you know 20 pounds 30 40 pounds it's like man we only got american dude i'm sorry like what I don't know what you want from me. I'm an American. Okay. I only got, I only have American dollars. We did I'm find new a, here. Yeah. I'm new here. We did find a nice guy. He was like, you know, we'll carry your stuff for 20 pounds. And, he's, and we're like, you know, all we have is $20. He's like, I'll do it for $20. And I was like, thank you so much. You know, so he gave him the $20 and he, uh, and he took us exactly where we needed to go, like where the bus was, but we got there at an odd time. And so we were waiting out there for like two hours for the bus to get there. And an event for a while, we thought we were in the wrong spot, but eventually more, you know, PCSing families and, and uh, other, you know, first time members were coming and showing up and we're all lining up. And when the bus got there, um, there was on the main route, the M24 on the way there, apparently there was a really bad wreck and it was shut down. So this guy had to take the long way around. So instead of a two and a half hour drive, we were driving for nearly five hours to get to the base. Dude. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So on top of that, say two hours before our, you know, two, three hours before our international flight, the entire 12 hour overnight flight then additional two hours after two three hours after we get off the flight now we're driving in this fucking bus for five hours um we finally get to um we finally get to milden hall because there was no lodging on lake and Heath available so we had to book our um lodging on milden hall it was the only one that had availability for the days we got there uh, for the day that we got there for the two weeks that was covered or whatever the time was that was covered, you know, for PCSing, right? So give us time to find a place. And so obviously we were trying to get on base housing, um, but, you know, then we were also trying to look for places to uh, rent in town. They call it subletting, you know. Um, then 
we get there and where the front office was and where our room was was so far away that I had to pay a taxi to load up our fucking stuff to to drive like a half a mile because it was because we had so much stuff there was no point we couldn't walk otherwise I'd been made like 10 fucking trips to get our stuff over there oh my i remember that i remember how that lodging was spread out holy shit <sighs> yeah so annoying and then my my sponsor she came and picked us up you know um she was cool and uh she was like so um you know do, do you want to go look around or anything like that or like you know i mean sure just you know show us where the base is real quick and then get something to eat and whatnot and we'll go you know we're gonna go get some rest you know because we're fucking exhausted by that time and guys as an american as a red-blooded patriot to my nation this was the most the most just the most verifiable reason as to why we fought the Revolutionary War in 1776. Okay, let me tell you. So, as we got done with our little small short tour, you know, because again, exhausted, didn't care. Uh, we were like, well, we were asking her, well, what's around here? She's like, well, there's a there's a McDonald's just right over here. Um, we're like, yeah, fine. Who doesn't love McDonald's? So let's go to McDonald's, right? So we pull up, and uh, Jess, let me ask you, when you need something quick. Going to McDonald's. I know you're a health nut, whatever. Uh, but if you need a McDonald's, what do you like to get? Um, God, it's been a long time since I've had McDonald's. No, 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 no. Um, usually, you, I mean, I'm not bashing McDonald's. Their fries <laughs> and vanilla shakes are really good. Okay, judge mm -hmm. me all you want. Um, you got to dip the fries in the vanilla shake, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, usually a Big Mac or a quarter pounder with cheese. Quarter pounder. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you say is the most common thing people usually go for? Like, just running through. Like, let me get this real quick. Yeah. Oh, the chicky nuggies. Yeah. There we go. Right. What What would you usually say? Yeah, I do. Let me get I a... do. Yeah. Usually, I I don't know. I'd probably get like a ten piece or something. Right there. Right. Surprise. Let me sna let me snag a ten yeah. piece. Right. Sorry, they only do a nine yeah. piece. Oh, that's right. Tell me that's the not the that's most fucking right. stupid thing you've ever heard in your entire life. Well, okay? I mean, I no, will there's, say there's I no there say, no no don't don't you justify this? No, I'm not talking fucking treason and treachery. It. I'm I'm not justifying the the count of the nuggies. Okay, what I am going to justify is when I did have McDonald's in England because I think I had it in London. It was significantly better than the one in America. You're fired hate me it's fine but i literally had this conversation last week in the office that the fast food overseas was just better than the fast food in america you're fired but yes they yeah <laughs> i am cultured thank you um but yeah the nine piece yeah the nine piece chicky nuggy yeah i, I okay. do remember that because i i don't know if i ever ordered it but i remember someone saying something about that i was like that's kind of random yeah but i'm just like yeah all right i was like all right whatever just give me a nine piece you know so got that got the fries and whatever and um just a nice respected southern boy you know what do you get what do you get for a drink hmm? what do you get for uh, a drink? me 
What 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 a nice southern boy like me, born and raised in Texas. What would I oh, get? Oh, you would get sweet sweet tea. You yeah, would get sweet, sweet tea. Sweet tea. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't believe in sweet tea. They don't even. Yeah. They laugh at you when we ask for sweet no, tea they because don't. They, they, there's no such thing as sweet tea there. No, there's no. not. No, there's not. So, guys, if you've ever wondered why we fought the Revolutionary War, that's why. <laughs> oh, yep, mm-hmm. that is true. 100%. It is different overseas. But you know what I you know what I do miss, and I know I'm kind of going off topic, but since we're talking about food in England, I do miss the little sushi carousels, the sushi carousel places that they had in England. They did. Did you ever go to like Yo Sushi or any of those places? I never went. I never went to yeah, Yo Sushi really specifically, sushi. but I, I I've been to some really good sushi spots out there. Yeah. Yeah, they have some good ones out there. But yeah. Anyway, I always yeah. saw Yo Sushi, and I was always like, "Man, I want to go there because I see that and it looks cool." I never fucking went there, but like, I did. I did get some really good sushi out there. I went there so the day that I was flying out when I was PCSing back to um to the states, mm-hmm. there was one. I think I flew. Did I fly out of Heathrow or Gatwick? I can't remember which one I flew out of, but. One of the airports I flew out of had a Yo Sushi in the uh, the actual airport, and I stopped and I ate there, and that was my breakfast nice. with sushi. Did you? Because ever I was at... like, now I've eaten at Yo Sushi, and it was it was really good. Did you ever eat at Nando's? Oh my god, I love Nando's. That is there's one in pro- the states. Yeah, but I mean, there's nowhere around here, unfortunately. But like, Nando's is like yeah, like the one like the one place that I actually really miss about England. Like Nando's chicken. Ah, oh God. Yeah. Nando's chicken is fucking that place top. Was that good. place was good. Yeah. It really was. Cause yeah, it, but, it was but, again, I, but again, that's not England food. That's, that's a Mexican spot in England. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Cause English yeah. food, it was really good. It was English really food good. Is, English food is really not good. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. did like the fact that they had like in Mildenhall Village they had the Thai places and yeah. um the Chinese joints and they mm-hmm. had the um the Indian place too. Like we would always frequent those like every week. We would go to like one of the we'd rotate them each week and then they had a really and, good Turkish place and that had always, a gyros outside the base. And with them you always knew it was authentic because it was actually real Chinese, real Thai, yes. really, you know, not a bunch of Mexicans mm-hmm. in the back cooking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Very good. Yeah. A lot of good food options overseas. I'm 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 sure places like Germany and I know um from stories that have heard Japan has amazing food. Korea has amazing food. So yeah. yeah. Um yes, it is a pain in the ass when you have to PCS overseas. And once you get there and get settled, like the opportunities are endless. So I would definitely encourage people to go overseas, especially when you're young. Yeah. I mean what I would like to really push on to these younger airmen, because guys, I mean it's what I think is makes it hard for some of these young airmen when they go overseas is those of us that have really, really close relationships with our families. Those of us who like are very close to our moms or our dads, sisters, brothers, because those of us who have those strong, strong family ties that we, that, you know, that run so deep. Those are the, those are the ones of us that when we get over there, even even when we're states, even if we're stationed stateside, because then like you and me, like we end up swapping, trying to swap bases, you know, in tech school when they still allowed that to try to stay closer to home just because we had that deep tie with our family. But you have those other one, other types of people, not to say that they don't love their family, but it's it's different because they don't have that 
deep roots with their family. They don't have that strong emotional tie with their family. So they can go anywhere in the world yeah. and they'll be like, they'll be okay. You know, they'll live it up. They'll be all right. But I think those of us who go overseas yeah. or far away stateside and then they hit that hard depression and that anxiety and that fear that just tears them apart. Um, I think that's what can lead to some very dark places for a lot of people like us. And what I would yeah. like to say to people like that is, yeah, I mean, one, it's perfectly normal. I mean, because it, mm -hmm. it is crazy for, you know, to come into this lifestyle and be completely ripped out of everything you know at a, at a moment's notice. To try to understand that where you're going is nothing but an opportunity to learn something so amazing no matter where you are it can yeah it can be it could seem like a horrible place but you don't know until you get there and you won't know until you open yourself up the people there yeah become a family you never knew you needed the people there will help you learn something so much uh stuff around the country and the world that you never knew existed and all of a sudden you become your own type of person you still love and have that tie with your family you still go home but it gets a little bit easier for you to go experience these new things around the world and around the country because now you understand that you have the ability to open yourself up to the world instead of keeping yourself shut off into back at your hometown yeah, for sure, man. I, um, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I'm so grateful for the experience. Like I'm glad that I went overseas because yeah, like being overseas, they, they, it is not a joke. Like you really are, you really become a family with the people that you work with. And like, you know, if you're an airman in the dorms, like you guys become a family and, and that was kind of what we built over there. And, and I was very, very fortunate that I worked with some great NCOs and senior NCOs who like took us airmen under their wing and, you know, every time the holidays came around, if we couldn't make it home, we were over at their houses, right? Like they would, they would have us over and it would be just like being at home. They would cook these big meals and we would all hang out and we would just have a good time. We'd play cards. We'd, you know, over there in England, you can drink at the age of 18. So as long as we weren't driving or if we had drove over, they would take our keys, let us drink. Yeah. Yeah, it is very dangerous. <laughs> you, you have to be very smart about it. And I was, I was fortunate. I was, I was smart about it and I had smart friends. Um, but there's some people that aren't as smart, you know, it happens, but, uh, yeah, I, I was extremely fortunate and that really, that first base being overseas and having that kind of like, you know, that, that air force family that everybody talks about, like having that really shaped me as an airman and it still continues to shape me as a senior NCO. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And the experiences, man, I got to go to Prague, you know, I got to go to the Czech Republic. Like that was really like the only trip that I did just cause I was young and I wanted to party all the time. But uh, I'm glad I went and I did that because I got to experience a different culture. I get to eat a bunch of really great food, even though I ended yeah. up eating a stomach bug when I got back. But that's a story for another time. Um, but it was just a great experience. And I made some of the best friends of my life over there. People that I still talk to to this day. People that I'm going to be stationed with again. You know, yeah. and it, it was just a really good time. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when it comes to those types of people... NCOs, senior NCOs, and just fellow airmen, you know, lower enlisted, whoever you are. Um, if you work with those types of people and you can kind of see 
you can see them, you see, you know that they're very close with their family, you know, you always kind of see and hear that they're homesick. Uh, it is really your job as just a wingman. You You need to make yourself available to them. You need to open up to them. You need to try to bring them out of their room, out of their house, whatever. Because when you let them stay locked up like that, we don't want to know what will eventually happen if we don't let if we don't try to get them to out to experience the world around them wherever they're at open themselves up to a new family a new adventure what we don't realize is that a lot of times the people we lose to that unfortunate thing that we can't we can't ever talk about enough a lot of it is because we don't we don't help ourselves enough and we need to look out for ourselves more. Our own people, our own blood, our own brothers, sisters. We need to be there for each other. And if you're not doing all you can to help your own people, then you're, you're wrong. You have to be aware of your own people. Because we all serve together. We all have the one thing in common, and that's we took our oath. We, took, we raised our right hand, and we said that we were going to serve this country together. And if you're not going to look out for your man and your woman on your left or your right, then why why are you even here? You need to get out because we don't need people like you anymore. You're the reason why we fail. So if you're not going to be someone like that, then get out because we need be, we need better people than you. Yeah, that's for sure, man. That is for sure. It is important to take care of each other. It's important to look out for folks. And, um, yeah, especially overseas, especially the younger airmen, because, you know, a lot of folks still complain about their assignments. It's like, well, what did you do? Well, I sat in my room and played video games. Well, there's more to life than video games. There's nothing wrong with playing video games. Um, there's nothing wrong with reading a book. There's nothing wrong with wanting to take time by yourself. But if you never get out and experience stuff, then, you know, in, in some locations, you're not going to be able to, right? Like, there's some places where you're going to go and there's just not a whole lot to do. But, I mean, you can also drive and go do stuff. And, some people are just kind of, you know, okay with being by themselves, but yeah, I struggled, I struggled with the homesickness a lot, um, when I was, you know, when I first got overseas, cause I didn't get to talk to my family as much. And, you know, that's where technology has helped us a ton. You know, we can keep in touch with our families. We like you said, you can FaceTime, you can iMessage, you know, you can get the prepaid phones over there. You can call home and do stuff like that. So it's a lot better. And airmen are in a much better position now in 2023 than I was in 2007, you know, 2008, um, where I had to get those calling cards to call home. It was, it, it, it makes you build a lot of resiliency. But again, on the flip side of that, I was very fortunate that I had NCOs who took care of me. I had friends who looked after me. Um, you know, I, we all kind of grew up together at Milton Hall and, and it's just, it's really cool to see that. And even small bases like Cannon, you know, you'll see the airmen, um, they really stick together because this is, it kind of has an overseas vibe to it because we're pretty remote out here. Rusty, obviously, you know that, um, yeah. which has been pretty cool to see. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's our job as, as leaders to, to do that and to, to take care of these folks. And I might not be able to cook very well. I mean, I can cook, but I'm just, I tend to be lazy. Um, but I'll fucking order a pizza and you can come hang out with me and we can watch some movies or something, you know? I mean, just having that fellowship helps, you know, you don't even got to have a big extravagant meal. You know, I've had people, cause I've obviously I've been here 
the last two Thanksgiving Christmases and stuff. And I've had people bring me a plate of food. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just hanging out, hanging out with my dog. And I, and I, and I'm okay with that. Like I can yeah. hang out by myself and be totally okay. You know, I'm good with that. Not everybody can do that like I can. And I 100% appreciate people who have done that. Who've been like, hey, I'm just going to bring you a plate of food, you know, even if you don't feel like coming over. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. I appreciate it, you know. So got a lot of love for folks who look after me. So I try to do the same thing for other people. Yeah, definitely. Well, sure. I think that's a pretty good coverage of everything. I mean, I know a lot's changed since the last time I PCS, but I think you got a pretty good gist of it. Um, well. What I'm really excited is here pretty soon we are going to be getting the YouTube channel up and running. We are very close. We, um, as soon as Jess gets set up uh, on her big new move to the very shitty area of Herbert Field, Florida, um, we will we will finally be able to start videoing and uh, getting everything up. I'm almost done with my little garage studio conversion um, as well. So we're really excited to bring that to you. Um, if you haven't checked out the website, www.tcwpodcast23.com, we are up on all socials, you know, X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of the same handle at tcwpodcast23. We're, we're able to keep it all right now. Uh, please shoot us a message, DM, whatever. I mean, we're we're open for whatever you'd like to talk to us about. And uh, on our website, if you uh, scroll down to the bottom, there's a link to apply to come on to the podcast. Just fill out the questionnaire. Um, we'll reach out to you. We'll get a little bit more info um, and see if we uh, we like what you have to offer and what you want to talk about. And then we'll we'll schedule a date to bring you on. So, um, But we really look forward to the much more content we're going to bring on. Uh, we also look forward to bringing you... Um, future uh, exclusive content as we begin to bro, uh, glow, grow our platform. Words are hard. But um, we love you guys. We continue to really love and appreciate everything you do and the continued uh, support and listenership. We really hope to make 2024 our breakout year. So thank you guys for so much, as always, for tuning in. And uh, we can't wait to keep bringing you more. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you.